just as the stewards finish with the tithe and offering. It's always a delight to have Ray and Sue with us. Um, thank you. Now, how many, how many people have not come across Ray and Sue before? Do we have anyone? Oh, we blame COVID for that. It's one of the consequences of COVID. But for you two, who have never met Ray before, we've worked it out. Ray has been coming here for about 28 years. As a young man. Now, as a young man. Now, just think, how many people here are not 28? You weren't even born when this man started coming. And he's been with us on the journey from the uh, carpet factory, down to the carpet factory, then through the sixth form centre to here. And we are looking forward to rejoining us on the journey across to the Emmanuel Centre in these these coming months, or many months. Anyway, but it's tremendous to have Ray and Sue with us. So, Father, right now, I just ask, that as Ray comes among us, he comes among us as family. We want to thank you for the input he's had into this community down through the years. And we just pray now that he will have a tremendous sense of freedom to bring that which you've given him for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Alan. Well, it's always nice to be with you. Sue and I, don't, we don't feel visitors. We feel very much part of the family, to be honest. And uh, even though Alan's rude at times, uh, well, m- most times. Um, I, I guess I, when you, I think it's um, in two Peter that Peter says, "I'm not actually going to bring anything new to you. I'm just going to remind you of those truths which you know and are established in." And one of the one of the I think uh, sad things often in the church is we're always looking for new things. That's why we get into some wacky stuff. Because we're always looking for something new. We, we don't need anything new. We just need to make sure that what we, what we have, particularly in the scriptures, we are grounded in and established in. And so this morning, I have switched tack. I've got to be honest. I was going to come with something, but um, in, in, due, in view of discussion and things like that, I said to Alan, I, I feel I want to change tack. And I really want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to talk about defining moments because we're living in some very interesting, some interesting times. And I found this morning, actually, um, I tend to get up pretty early. I'm, I'm an early bird, so I love to read. And right at the end, I was just looking through some Facebook stuff. And somebody put a quote uh, by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he said this, but more than anything, we must realize that the state of the world is such that nothing but, nothing but, the power of the Holy Spirit can cure it. (laughs) And those words ring loudly today, probably more so than when 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 he wrote those words, which was probably quite a number of years ago. Um, Quite a number of the churches in the family of churches, which we call regions, regions beyond, um, many of, many of us coming out of New Frontiers years ago, um, but it really doesn't matter. We're part of the kingdom of God. We're the family, family of God. But within, within regions beyond, I think it took us about five years to really put on paper what we felt, um, were our values. Now, the, the trouble with putting stuff on paper is that you think they're on paper, therefore they're, they're, they're there, but, and, but we, we, we took quite some time over that. And some of the churches more recently have been sort of preaching and teaching through them to remind us who we are and, and really what we, what we, what we want to be doing. And, um, and the conference we had down south, um, I think it was last November. No, it was, was it November? I can't remember now. Yeah, we were here in November. It was a, wherever it was, it was down south. You know, we looked at some of these values. And the one that I particularly looked at was a value that we, 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 we always want to be and believe we must be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I really want to take us on a journey this morning. Um, I want to also um, just look at some defining moments. I, I think when we went to Wrexham, I was asked to speak on a similar subject there. 
And we, we invited a local Christian bookshop to come and serve us in this way. And I was having a mooch around and looking and, and there was a book there, defining moments in church history. And guess what? I couldn't find what I was going to speak on. And that's the problem, isn't it? Is that the, the church has become divided on so many things of what they believe, some things which are vital if we actually are going to change the world. And we're not going to change the world, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, unless we are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. We will do good things, but good things won't change the world. Jesus talked about the greater things. And I really want us to believe for greater things. And in order to do that, we need to know and engage with and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to preach to you anything that you've not heard before. It's interesting that um, <laughs> the, the gospel writers don't include very much of what Jesus said to the disciples when he gathered them for at the, you know, those last times. I mean, over 40 days, at least we know of five times when he appeared to them. And it says he taught them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We don't know what those things were. All we know is this, he was getting them ready for something. Uh, But what he does say is that, you know, Matthew tells us what we call the Great Commission. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. All authority is now mine, so you're going to the ends of the earth ultimately. And But Luke tells us that... um, when, 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 he, when he tells us something else that Jesus said that we have in the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, I'll, I'll open the Bible because some people get jittery if you don't open the Bible. The fact you might know it off by heart is neither here nor there. But um, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That encourages me, that does. Because they really hadn't got it, had they? <laughs> And if they hadn't got it with all that they went through with him and all the teaching, that encourages me. Because sometimes I think, Blimey, I just haven't got it yet. I, I, I don't think big enough or whatever. Is, do, you, do you feel that sometimes? I think, wow, Lord, I'm so self-centered at times. I need to get out of my self-centeredness and see the bigger thing. But it doesn't seem to bother Jesus too much here because he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates. The Father has set by his own authority. And then there's this but. And those buts are important. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. So obviously they weren't ready. They were justified. They were being sanctified by the Spirit. But they weren't ready yet to go because there was still something, someone, the Spirit of Jesus, that had to come and empower them. I read through uh, John 14, 15 and 16 uh, yesterday morning. Um, uh, for, for, for those who are a bit more theologically minded, um, Luke uses, uh, or John uses a, a word which speaks of the Holy Spirit as someone who comes alongside, not just someone who empowers you. Someone who comes to encourage you and fortify you and, and also provoke you. And we need provoking, don't we? We need encouraging, we need provoking. We, the old translations talk about the comforter. If you ever go to a place called Bayou, Bayou in France, there's the Bayou Tapestry there. It's about 110 metres long. And, and you'll see there the Battle of Hastings. And you'll see that the, the bishops are encouraging the, the troops to go into battle. And they've got this spike and they're sticking it up their backsides to get them into battle. And that's called the comforter. <laughs> so those old translations, the comforter, this was the thing. Somebody who comes and says, come on, troops. Let's get into battle, for goodness sake. The fact they just, I think they just marched 250 miles from Stamford Bridge to have to face the Norman. It wasn't really, you know, it wasn't fair, was it? 
Um, but, but this is what John is given us in 14, 15, and 16. He's given us this, this, this one who, it's, and it's not an it. I hate it when people talk about the Spirit. It's, like, it's the Spirit of Jesus that comes. He comes, and he comes because he wants us to do the works that he's prepared for us. And in fact, again, in that, that, those passages, it's in, um, John 14, 15, 16, um, these, these words are spoken. Chapter 14, verse 12. Everyone who has faith in me, everyone got faith in Jesus this morning? Some of you may not have. You hope you'll come to that place by the end. Everyone who has faith in me, so we're not talking about special people, we're talking about his people, will do the works that I've been doing which were what? Well, some were very spectacular. Others weren't so spectacular. Some were just caring. Some was just being, you know, loving, showing mercy. Some were raising the dead. I mean, we'd be here all morning. We had to talk about the works that Jesus did. I mean, John said there's not enough books that would be written to record everything that Jesus did. But, but Jesus said, you, everyone who has faith in me will do the works that I've been doing and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. In fact, he's saying to them, guys, I'm going. I can imagine them saying, we don't want you to go. Blow it. We've been through a lot with you, don't you think? You know, now we can share some of this stuff with you. He's saying, you don't understand. I'm limited. We don't think of Jesus as limited, do we? But he was limited. He was limited to one earthly body. But he said, but if I go... I will have a multi-membered body that will do the works that I've been doing in abundance around the world. And that's why it's so sad that there's so much controversy about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think that God has made statements in history. I think if John Wimber was with us, he would say something like this, I want my church back. And I think God is still saying that. I want my church to be what I want it to be. So there's been 2,000 years of controversy concerning particularly the, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we've, some people don't believe that what Jesus said to them, recorded by John, that you will do greater works, that that, that, that applies anymore. That those things don't happen anymore. We've got the canon of Scripture and that's enough. I don't believe that. I believe we need the Word and we need the Spirit. I was reading Smith Wigglesworth's um, that um, prophetic word that he brought. He said, "When, basically, when the academics come together, when those who God has given gifts of scholarship to, you know, who we so need, we need to learn, but we need we need to be empowered at the same time. Those two, when they come together." There will be an amazing, amazing revival across Europe or maybe the world, I can't remember. But that's where my heart is this morning, that we don't pick and choose, that we look at God's word and say, this must apply to us today as much as it did those early disciples, if not more. I want to take you to a place called Topeka. Anybody know where that is? Some of you will know. Near Kansas City, yeah. And a guy there called Charles Parham. Charles Parham came out of a holiness background. Um, uh, and uh, as, a ch- as a child, he was very sickly. And I think when he was about five, he was dying. And uh, on his deathbed, and his parents obviously were praying for him. He, he, he sort of made this promise to God and said, Lord, if you spare me, I'll, I'll serve you. I'll be a minister of the gospel. And he actually went to theological college. Unfortunately, he went to what we would call a hyper-Calvinistic theological college. And it had nothing to do with John Calvin's teaching at all. If you want to dispute with me afterwards, you can on that one. But I don't believe that's what Calvin taught. Calvin used to say, you treat everyone as though they're one of the elect. In other words, you preach the gospel to everyone. But he, and it put him off. Um, and... He sort of switched tact and I think went 
trained as a medical doctor, and then got sick again, and again was on his deathbed, and then he repented, which you would do, wouldn't you? And um, he said, oh, I'll be a minister. So he became a minister. But he had a real, he had a real faith for healing. Um, never again was there sickness in him and his family, and he, he, he would pray for the, he would pray for the sick. But it came from very much from a holiness background. But he loved to train, particularly young people. Loved to disciple, and he bought this place, and he would take every year about forty, twenty girls, twenty guys, and they'd so they'd, so they'd several bunkhouses out the back, and he would go on trips and he would leave them homework to do. And on one occasion, he said to them, "What do you study?" the early chapters of the Acts of the Apostles. And when I get back, tell me what you think. And of course, when they came back, they they um, they, they said to him, well, you know, it seems in that, those early days of the church that when the Spirit came on them, they spoke in tongues. That seemed to be an, an initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, etc. And they, be, they began to discuss this. And a, a, a lady called Agnes Osmond, she said, will you pray for me that I might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, of course, he, 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 he wasn't into that himself, but he did. Well, she, she couldn't speak in, in other than a Chinese um, dialect, I think, for three days. So she got pretty much into this stuff. But so did all the others. They all spoke known languages. This is recorded. Many of them took that as signs. They should go to those nations um, as missionaries, and many of them did. But 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 um, since Pentecost, there has been no record that that has happened where people have spoken no languages. There's been odd occasions, but not a group. And it seems to me almost as though God was making a statement. God was making a statement. For me, it is a defining moment in church history. Now, Parham. I, if, if I had the church down the road, I would have been there on, knocking on his door and saying, can you come to my church, please? Wouldn't you? No, no, that's not what they did. He was ostracized. He was driven out of town. And he went off to another part of Kansas. He got himself a big tent. He died in 1927, and his record, about two million came to Christ through his, through his ministry. And all around that tent, uh, there were crutches and there were evidences of amazing healing but but the church missed something didn't it it missed something the mantle that was on him fell onto another guy called William J. Seymour he's a black guy and um, he he studied under Parham um, but of course it was the it was the segregation laws that were very difficult he was a humble guy so to make sure he didn't offend anybody, he got a cardboard box, put it on his head, cut out eyes and a mouth so that he could actually, and, and the mantle fell on him. And he was invited to go to Los Angeles and lead a church, but they didn't like the baptism of the Spirit either. So he went to a, a, another house in, in a place called Bonnie Bray Street. I think it must have been, a, a, of all things, a, a Scottish community. And, and there they had meetings nightly. And it says sometimes you couldn't hear a pin drop. Such was the presence of God on them. At other times, the noise was amazing as they came under the power of the Spirit. They spoke in tongues. They prophesied. And there was a porch out there which he'd go and he preached to the crowds that would gather. Uh, Soon the porch collapsed. And then they found an old um, half-burned-down mission place in a place called 312 Azusa Street. You've heard of Azusa Street. People came there for years. And you know, if you go on um, Google and you put in Azusa Street, you can get people who, who have given testimony, they're well dead now, of what took place. There was very little preaching, but people came, received the baptism of the Spirit. I think I'm right, the body from Sunderland I think Smith Wigglesworth went there. I'm not swear to that one. But people, they were hungry for God, knowing if we're going to, if we're going to, if we are going to fulfill the Great Commission, we're not going to do it unless we're empowered. I love the academics. I'm a 
Some of you know I'm a great fan of Tom Wright. I love his stuff. I devour it. I love that sort of... But, and the other thing I love about him, he's a man of the Spirit. So it's not either or, folks. It's got to be both and. It's got to be the Word, and it's got to be, it's got to be the Spirit. Sadly, that, that, um, that move of God uh, was hindered. I think he um, Seymour married the pianist and somebody else fancied him and destroyed all the records and everything and the mailing list. So that, that came to an end. But, but I, I see in that that God is making is making a point. And if you, if you read through any of the uh, histories of some of the great ministries that came out, the Jeffrey brothers, you know, those Welshmen, amazing. Just amazing. You have to read it for yourself. I devour this stuff because I just find it inspires me to want to do, I want to do, I want to do the greater works. I don't want to just do good works or good stuff. And we had two world wars. You do wonder sometimes, don't you? Hey, where, where did all that come from? Well, we know where it comes from. It comes from the pit. That's what's happening in Europe at the moment. It comes from the pit. You know, that's the trouble with us Westerners. When it comes to spiritual warfare, we just don't take it very seriously. That's why we don't pray. A lot of prayer going on in Ukraine at the moment. Pastors won't even come out and go to safety because there's too much happening under God at the moment. Isn't that amazing? That's contradictory. But that's what's happening in those places. And so, those two world wars, I was, I was, I was born in the 40s, 1943, I'm that old. My dad, my dad came, was at Dunkirk with his two mates and they got off on Dunkirk and they were then billeted with a late, uh, uh, town councillor in Abergavenny who had three daughters, so they made one each. So I got out of it, I got. But I think often, if my dad hadn't escaped from Dunkirk, I wouldn't be here preaching to you this morning. This morning. Now, some of you think, oh. But those, I grew up, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I, I believed in God. If you'd said it was Jesus Christ, I would say he's the son of God. But I didn't have a clue it me- meant anything. And the, and the church in the in the fifties and going into the early, it was dry, it was formal, it was arid, and 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 and, and people lost lost hope and faith because of those because of those wars. But you know, there's somebody who always reacts. Who's that? It's the Holy Spirit. Always reacts, and and and, and you know, there, there had to be a reaction. Um, if any of you have ever read Dorian Irvin's book From Witchcraft to Christ read it, it's frightening the occult took a grip on our nation and then I love the Beatles didn't you? but, but you know they got into all this eastern mysticism and oh, you know, it was such crummy stuff um, I did a year's teaching in a uh, comprehensive school just one day a week, seven periods of RE and the kids were using the Ouija boards and all sorts of stuff stuff they were getting they were getting messed in. But there was a reaction from the Holy Spirit. It began to stir people. And a couple, Michael and Jean Harper, they were in their 20s. Of all places, he was in All Souls Langham Place. Now, John Stock hadn't been a friend. Wasn't a friend until perhaps later years of the charismatic movement. But they gathered some of their clergy friends and said, let's study the Acts of the Apostles. Now, whether he was thinking of what took place back there, I don't know. It's a dangerous book to study. Especially if you're serious about God. And as they read those early chapters, the same thing happened to them. Now, it wasn't, and there wasn't the emphasis on tongues, but it was much more the emphasis, the beauty of Jesus, and how lovely to worship, to minister to one another, to love one another. Uh, and, 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 and that was so good. I remember going, they, they formed a group called the, the Fountain Trust, that was in the 1970s. I remember going to one of their meetings and fleeing from it. <laughs> I wasn't that hungry. 
Because what God was doing, what I saw, oh my goodness, that's not going to happen to me. Um, but, uh, and then, then there were others. You see, when you, when, when you have an encounter with God, the Holy Spirit, what it does is this, it makes you hungry for more. And where do you go? You go to the book. And when you read the book, you think, oh, wow, there's a lot more in that book. There's, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's pastors, there's teaching, there's healing, there's gifts of the Spirit. Hey, there's one man ministry, where did that come from? Well, it wasn't the Baptists. I have to tell you that. It was in the mid-second century. It was some of those bishops. And a bit later on. And you think, wow, why can't we have that? And, and, and then those people got called the restoration movement or the restorationists. Somebody, there must be somebody they employ to come up with all these, with all these. But then, so people were hungry and believing, believing for more. And how many of you went to the Dale's Bible Week? Anybody? Yeah, some of you. Downs Bible Week? Stonely Bible Week? Where did all that come from? It came from a hunger to want to, to want to see God restore. So it's not a movement. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's what God wants to do. He wants his church to be what he wants it to be. The manifold of wisdom of God through the church to the principalities and powers, to those that oppose and hate him and also to those angels who adore and love him. I say to folks, we have the ability to depress those, those, those vile angels and we have the ability to make those angels that love him very happy. And it's sad that we don't do it. It is sad. And so we had the, the Bible weeks. We had restoration. We had all that stuff. And, and I was part of Terry Virgo's um, early team. Um, I was a young man then. I think it was 34 when, the, when, when, 35 when that happened. And... Uh, so, so that was that was New Frontiers, and then then some of you know that in 2011 Terry felt it was right to release all the apostolic guys, and I got released. Steve Oliver got released, and Steve and I have been friends. In 1996, I was speaking at a conference in Cape, in Cape Town, and then another one in Durban, and I heard about this guy who'd gone to the daisies of Africa. Never heard that story. You heard the story. I haven't got time to tell you. Some of you have. And, and God woke me up in the middle of the night. Now, I'm very difficult to wake up in the middle of the night. Now, now other things wake me up in the middle of the night. It's got to do with age. But, but I, and God spoke to me and said, find the guy who's gone to the days. I couldn't find him, could I, Sue? We were there, couldn't find him. And then the last night at Cape Town, somebody said, you're going to meet him tomorrow. He's going to be at the other conference you're speaking at in Durban. And we met. And it was an instantaneous. And he said, come and visit us. And I said, well, I can't. I promise Sue we'll go down the garden route. He said, oh, it's, we're on the way to the garden route. All up around the Drakensberg Mountains and back going. I think we did about 1,500 miles in the end, didn't we? But there was that joining together and joining and joining for, and joining for purpose. And that's where we are now. Thank God for the time when I came to that carpet factory. I got the short straw, didn't I? Yeah, I did. I know I did. So, where can Ray do less harm? But there's only 40 now left in the carpet factory, so we send him there. And I thank God for the fellowship and friendship that I've had with you people. So let's just come back to Acts chapter 1. That's a little bit of history, but we need to know. If we don't know where we come from, we'll never know where we're going. So Acts chapter 1, I think it was a daunting thing for Jesus to be saying, guys, by the way, when the Spirit comes on you, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, I'm here with they, enemies, and the ends of the earth. What do you think of these guys? Now, they weren't thickies. They weren't thickies. Sometimes they, they, people think, well, they were only fishermen. They had a fishing business. Come on, these entrepreneurs. So they, they weren't thickies. They thought it was daunting. And I can just imagine Peter, if I wrote this gospel, I think I would have put a bit more in. I can just imagine Peter saying, well, look, Jesus, what, what if we're not up to this? I think he would have said, no plan B. I've got no plan B. But guys, when the Spirit comes upon you, remember what I said? You're going to do the greater work. I'm, I'm going to the Father. But when he comes, when he comes. And I, I think people like the idea of the Spirit. They like the idea of 
charismatic meetings and what have you. But, but why are we given the Spirit? Primarily to give evidence. I've got a law background. You have a law background, you know. You, you've got to give direct evidence. Hearsay is no good. So we're here to give direct evidence of a resurrected Christ and a kingdom of God. That's what we're here for. So, so we're not here to have nice charismatic meetings, although I want nice charismatic meetings. We are here to give credible testimony to Jesus being alive and his kingdom has come, is coming and will come. That's what we're here for. It is, it is for, for credible evidence. And that's, I think some Christians find that very daunting because they're always asking the wrong questions. They ask the questions of themselves. Well, what have I got to do? Forget that. Ask the question, what has he done for you that makes that actually a lifestyle and not something that's daunting? So I want to share just four things very briefly, and I'll give some illustrations. Some of you will have heard this before, but these are the best stories I've got, and I'm sticking with them. Okay. The first thing, the first thing is this, is that we have, you know, we, we, he has chosen us and appointed us to bear fruit, good fruit, fruit that will remain. All right, John chapter 15, verse 15 around that. You know, I don't call you servants. We are servants. I call you friends. I love that, don't you? And, and, and I, I've chosen you and appointed you. Go and bear fruit. Good fruit. Fruit that's going to remain. It was, it was yesterday when I was reading through that. In chapter, I think it was chapter 15 and verse 8. It said this. It said that you will bear lots of fruit. And that will glorify the Father. I thought, that's how we glorify the Father. Now, that fruit is not character. That fruit is in terms of doing the works that Jesus did and being those testimonies to, to him. So don't think in terms of what you've got to do. Think in terms of what he's done. So he has, he has chosen you to bear fruit. So basically, all you've got to do is be sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit. I met Gay... When I was in a law office in Bromley, managing a law office for the firm I worked for, and I went to the reception of a colleague who'd gone through a, a difficult divorce, well, not a Christian guy, but a very close colleague and friend. And he got married again, and it was just about 20 of us met up in a pub. Just, it was a very small celebration. And I sat opposite somebody I'd not met before. Her name was Gay. She was a little bit older than me. I think I was probably about 28. She was in the, into probably her early 30s to mid-30s. And we just got chatting. She worked for a firm of solicitors. She's a litigation secretary. We needed a litigation secretary. She was looking for a new job. And so, so I signed her up. I didn't do much litigation myself, but she worked for one of my colleagues. And, and then we all used to go to, to, to lunch on Fridays together, about eight of us from the office, a little Chinese restaurant nearby. And we, we got to know one another. It was great. But I discovered something about Gay, is that she, she had a bit of a down on men, because her husband, who was a police officer, he had sort of left her for another woman, and, you know, it was and with two kids, and it was bad news for her. So she was a bit, at first she had a down on men, but she also didn't like Christians. And as I was the only one there who was, she didn't like me too much. She'd give me a bad time. So I used to dread Friday lunchtimes. And then one day, after a few years, there was a knock on my door, and she said, Ray, can I just, can I, can I, could we go to lunch together, just you and me? And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm really going to get it this lunchtime. Anyway, she listened for a change, which was unusual for her. And then we went back to the office, and about three in the afternoon, another knock on the door, she said, can I, can I, You've got half an hour. Can you give me half an hour? So, yeah, I asked the girls to keep me free from clients or the phone for half an hour. And she said, you know, I don't believe in God, don't you, Ray? I said, if I know anything, Gay, that's one thing. She said, well, I met him last night. I said, okay, what were you doing? She said, I was ironing. She said, I was ironing, and I'd just been notified that my husband had not been paying the mortgage. I'm now, I've now, I'm, I'm being dispossessed. I have no home. I've got two kids. She said, 
I'm there with this iron. I thought, if he'd come through that door, I'd put that iron through his head. She was angry. And she said, all of a sudden, something happened to me. A peace. I started to cry. She said, I started to forgive him. Oh, how can you believe that? She said, it must have been God. She said, what do I do? I said, well, what do you do on the weekend? It was Friday. What do you do the weekend? She said, well, the kids are with, me, with my mother. I said, well, come up and meet my wife. We, we're up in Biggin Hill. There's a Baptist church there. And Sunday night, it's a fabulous Baptist, Baptist pastor up there. It's going to be preaching. He's, don't know anybody preaches better than me, really. I said, what? <laughs> and Gay came to faith, and the kids came to live with us. And uh, there's a, a lot of other stories. Hey, that's our fruit. That's what we were, that was what we were appointed for. To go and bear fruit. And I gave that testimony at Gay's funeral about five five years ago. Was it fabulous, wasn't it, Sue? Yeah. Hey, we, we have some other memories as well. But, uh, hey, that's it. But the, the other thing is as well, is that we have been empowered. That's why, see, that's why this baptism in the Holy Spirit, or this filling with the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit coming upon us, whatever terminology you want to use, it doesn't matter, because the Scripture doesn't pick and choose. It, it uses different ones because different writers use, use a different way of explaining the same thing. When the baptism in the Spirit, when, we, when we, that comes to us, we are empowered. All right? we, we, we're, all, we're already um, empowered. The Fountain Trust meeting that I ran out of, I got hungry again. I didn't go to the meeting Sue and I, one night, our neighbours from downstairs, who were always annoyed at the noise we were making, were away for the weekend. So Sue and I got a concordance out, started looking at some of the Holy Spirit scriptures. Never got past the Old Testament. And about one in the morning, we started to pray. And I particularly had an amazing encounter with God. The room was filled with light. I was filled with light. Frightened the, frightened the life out of me. I discovered God was almighty. And what I hadn't repented of at conversion... I soon did. And then I was just filled with such a joy. It was wonderful. I wanted to get people up, wake them up, phone them up, get them out of bed. Went to see the vicar. He said, well, don't tell anybody about it. We don't want everybody having that, do we? I thought, I thought that was the whole point. We did. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, it was crazy. But, but I didn't know why. I just knew I'd met with God. And, but then the, the following Sunday... We were, we were in the service. Now, our vicar, Humphrey, when he's preaching, and fortunately he didn't preach anything like I preached as long as, you wouldn't, well, I'll tell you what, you'd pee your pants rather than get up when he's preaching. Sorry about that, but that's true. Because he didn't like you moving. And I just felt, the Lord said, I wasn't used to God speaking to me. Go and visit Mrs. Balcom. Now, Mrs. Balcom lived next door to us. I think she was a witch. She, she smelt of urine. She was, she was an alcoholic. She had one black tooth in the middle of her head. And she frightened the life out of me. Now, her landlords were very bad. So, I, professionally, I could help her, serve her, by giving her landlord a bad time and trying to get her conditions improved. Sue's much more gracious than I. So, she used to go in and wash her and whatever. But the Lord said, go and visit Mrs. Balcon. I thought, this is ridiculous. What is this? I, I, I've not heard this sort of stuff before. But I felt, I, I, I got to. It's only 200 yards from the church building. So I went to visit Mrs. Balcom. She was in bed. She wasn't very well. And one of her friends who was there said, come in, dearie. I said, and, and my knees were knocking. I said, Mrs. Balcom, I'll come to tell you about Jesus. That's nice, dearie. Um, and I'm, 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 I share the gospel with her. I don't know how long I'm there. But I got out of there. My little legs could move in those days. I got out of there as quick as I could. I got back. I had to make my peace with Humphrey. And I thought, what was that all about? And Sue said to me, I'll, I'll go in in the morning. See, make sure she's okay. She was dead. I learned that night why I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I hope to meet Mrs. Balcom in heaven. I hope to God she's got a new tooth. I'm serious, folks. That shook me, didn't it, Sue? That's why I've been baptised in the Spirit. To give credible evidence to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is why it is so important 
that we are filled with the Spirit and we are continually filled with the Spirit. You know, and, and Paul has to write to the Ephesians some six years later, a letter that says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so important. And, and you know, God's prepared works for us to do. Ephesians 2.8, you didn't finish it, um, Sandra, the, the most important part. Because he, he, he was saving it for me, I know. You, you had a word of knowledge of where I was going. That he has prepared works for us to do before the foundation of the world. All we've got to do is learn to be sensitive to those works. I had a lovely friend called Ron. And uh, we used to play soccer together. I think we first played when I, when I was about 22. And we played for many, many years together. He, uh, he was a churchgoer. Him and his wife were nice people. They were churchgoers. And, uh, but we played soccer. But when he came to my church at Biggin Hill, we were in the 70s and the, the charismatic thing was, uh, I mean, it was just moving. People were being saved every week, particularly kids, teenagers. We had a, oh, it was baptistry open nearly every week. It was just, they, they were the glory days, the 70s and the 80s for us at that time. And he couldn't hack it. He just couldn't hack it. And him and his wife, as nice as they were, they backed off us. We didn't see them for 20, 20 more years. And again, I just thought, God, one of those promptings from God, ring, Ron. So I rang him, found his number, didn't, didn't even know that he was still in the place, Paddock Wood, where he used to live. <laughs> I said, it's a voice from the past, it's Ray Lowe. He said, Ray, you're not going to believe this. Irene is dying in hospital now. He said, I haven't prayed for 20 odd years. He said, I've just thrown my Gideon Bible. He said, I found it. And there's promises there that God will send you help. Ah, oh. he just said, I just said to God, if you cared, you'd send someone. And you phoned. And I led that lady to the Lord that night on her deathbed. And she was a beautiful woman. She swam for England. Very good swimmer. She was gorgeous looking, but oh, in bed. The cancer had eaten her, her face and everything. But do you know what? She was beautiful because she came to Jesus. And so did Ron. He was a bit of a challenge. But we got him there, didn't we? It took about another 10 years to sort him out, if we ever did. But we got him a new wife, so she sorted him out. And, and, uh, and uh, he passed away a couple of years ago as, as well. But you see, it's this thing of being sensitive. How often are you driving down the road and someone comes to mind? What do you do? Ah, oh, you, you, generally you ignore it because you're Western. Because your, your, your mind rules your spirit rather than allowing your spirit to rule your mind. We're to walk in the spirit, not in the mind. Don't get me wrong. I love the academia. I, 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 I love learning. But, but, but the learning is, to, is for the spirit to be able to tap into that. You with me? So next time, you just send, oh, why am I thinking about so-and-so? Give them a ring. Send them a text. Do something. And you'll be surprised. They'll say, do you know what? This is amazing that you're phoning me at this time because. The other thing is as well, the last thing this is, we need to see God as God sees, as God sees people. I don't know about you, but I judge. Do you judge? I judge people. You know, they wouldn't come to church because, well, they've got a boat down, was down at the coast. They're too wealthy. They have parties and, you know, they've got everything going for them. You know, how, how do we reach them? Or like Mrs. Balcom. God, blimey, nobody's going to go near Mrs. Balcom. I mean, gosh, she's an alcoholic. She smells, she's this, that, and the other. But it says that when, when Jesus was on traveling with the guys, you find this in Mark chapter 9, verse 35 onwards. It says, he, says, he said to the disciples, look at these people. They're harassed and distressed like sheep without a shepherd. And the, and the Greek language is quite powerful there. People have been flogged, nearly dead. I just imagine the disciples are looking and say, yeah, there's no, these are no hopers. But he says, but the harvest is plentiful. The harvest? Where's the harvest? This is the harvest. This is the harvest. When we moved into a new house some years ago, I, I, mm, I don't like to be known as a minister. I much prefer to be known as a sportsman. So I joined the clubs, the squash, the tennis, the... Uh, and uh, I, I'm still playing soccer until I was 50. So I, I, I like that sort of thing. And usually if I'm playing golf with someone, and, you know, they, they, 
usually about the seventh hole, they get round to asking you what you do. And I said, well, actually, I'm a church leader. And they think, blimey, my language. I said, I don't mind your language. It's the birdies I don't like. But so, so I don't knock on people's doors and introduce myself. But what I do do is I pray. So we moved into this. It was a sort of cul-de-sac. And so I had a knock on the door. We'd only been there a couple of days, haven't we, Sue? And this guy knocked on the door. He's a strong-looking guy. He was a ninth, ninth Dan black belt in something. <coughs> Don't matter what it was. It was enough to make me aware. And he said to me, we have something in common, you and me. We're both spiritual people. I said, that's nice. You're with the Baptists, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. <coughs> I mean, I'm the real McCoy, Alan. I, I am an accredited Baptist minister of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, if that doesn't warrant a rise, then I don't know what does. But, but I didn't say that. And I said, yes, well, come in. Well, this guy was demonized up to his eyeballs. He was into a thing called Eck. And you would have said, but for his size, what the Eck is that? But you didn't do that. Well, it's something out of Tibet or something. It was weird. And I, I tried, didn't I? I did my best. I, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't get through to this guy. And some months later, there was another knock on the door one morning, and it was his wife. And we'd never spoken. I mean, she'd said, good morning, Mr. Lowe. She was very polite, wasn't she, Sue? Always very formal, very polite. But she knocks on our door, and she said to me, Mr. Lowe, I hope you don't mind, but I, I come to tell you that John has left me, and he's gone off with a woman in Eck. I, I nearly said, lucky old you. But she said, I am so full of hatred and bitterness, I hate myself. Can you help me? I said, no, but if you come in, I can introduce you to someone who can. Ten minutes, she is born again, filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Folks, these divine appointments are all out there. All we've got to do is be sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit. Because you see, I don't think I'm up to it. Do you? I don't think I'm up to it. The great George Whitfield didn't think he was up to it. He would stand and preach to hundreds of thousands in some of the fairs they had and his knees would knock. His wife would shout, George, play the man! He was just like you and I. But he had to learn. He was empowered by the Spirit even though they peed on him, threw dead cats at him. One guy came with a knife to stab him and was so convicted, he came to Christ. It's it's what God does. All we have to do is to be obedient and to be willing. That's why every morning we should say, Lord, I'm available today. But no, seriously, folks, it's, 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 it's easy. It's a lifestyle. Walking in the Spirit is not a couple of feet off the, off the ground floating. It's having your feet on the ground and you're saying, well, Lord, these, these are the things you've done for me. Hey, I'll just slot in with you. And if you want to use me today, you can. And if you don't, well, that's fine. It's not a problem. It's not a big deal. But that's the way it works. I could tell you loads and loads of stories. I've told you some of my best. But there's sometimes... You don't even know what comes of things. It really doesn't matter because it's him. I mean, somebody shared something with me this morning I knew nothing about. Now, I will live on that for about the next month. But it doesn't matter. We're here to be his witnesses. And in order that we will be effective, he's poured out his spirit on us. Or he wants it. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, folks, we would just love to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you've gone a bit dry, then, 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 then we need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the devil can't take away our salvation. I believe that. But he can neutralize us. And the biggest way of neutralizing Christians is sin. Because as soon as the Spirit prompts, the enemy says, who do you think you are? And you're done. So we keep short accounts with God. And we're available and open channels. I, I like this stuff, don't you? You know, and I, I, I like this stuff. I think this is so, I'm so, so grateful. I used to play a lot of tennis, played a lot of tennis tournaments. So after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, these tournaments I was playing, sometimes I get through a few rounds. and So that, I always had a drink with someone afterwards. It nearly always came up and 
cheered. And I wasn't in ministry or anything now. I was just an ordinary guy working in a lawyer's office. And we're all ordinary people here. But, it's that but. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Every one of us. Does that excite you? It's a glorious prospect, isn't it? Well, I'm going to pray now. I, I, I want you to pray with me. I'm not, I, I'm not one of these people who say, repeat this prayer after me. I'm not into that. I want the Holy Spirit to do his work, to be honest. If he's been stirring your heart, just say to him, I'm up for this. <laughs> yeah, it's daunting, but I'm up for this. All right, and then afterwards, if you want to come down the front, then uh, some of us, Sue and I will, but there'll be others, we'll pray for you. But I, I, I have found... With the whole things of the Spirit, I find, for me, I'm best when I'm on my own, alone with God. That, that's for me. So I would encourage you. Just get alone with God. Get alone with your Bible. John chapter 14, 15, 16, first couple of chapters of Acts of the Apostles. Read that stuff. Boy, if that don't motivate you, then... then okay. Lord Jesus, it's such a privilege to be part of your family. We don't deserve it. We, 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 we all got that in common, Lord. Lord, the high bread and the low bread. We don't deserve it, Lord. But Lord, because of grace, because of your blood, Lord, we'll never fathom out, Lord, that. Why? Why me? But Lord, we're your children here this morning. There may be some that aren't, Lord, but you're speaking to them now and, and they can ask to be included in. But we just want to come and say it's such a privilege. And Lord, those words you spoke to those early disciples about, Lord, not of doing the greater works. Lord, we want to be doing those works you've prepared for us. That's great. So we impact the communities we live in and the families we live with. We want to make, we want to make an impact, Lord, for you. And Lord, we know we bring you glory when we bear fruit. And that's why you grafted us in. And so I want to ask for all my friends and brothers and sisters of all ages here, Lord, that, Lord, this word through your spirit will, will just penetrate deeper and deeper. And, Lord, you'll bring it back to all our, our memories, Lord. Lord, so that, we, so that we, can, we can live by faith and walk by your spirit. I pray there'll be so many promptings of the spirit that are responded to in this next this next week Lord and Lord if there are those who know they need another touch from God we all need an anointing Lord we all need prayer but if especially those then I pray give them the courage just to come and ask so we can so we can pray but we know Lord wherever we pray Lord you 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 will be there meeting with us so thank you for this wonderful church Lord we we just pray that, Lord, in your sovereignty, you'll get them moved into that, that new building. When, Lord, when in your sovereign purposes, it's, it's right. So we just thank you for such grace upon us. Amen.